Welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I am great, man. Yeah, G- glad somebody is. Hey, uh, a lot of great close games. That... What's that? Sounds like you're having a rough go of it over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Computer issues. Um, a lot of close games this week. I think four by one point. Um, uh, NFL record, or at least first time in 34 years. Is that what kind of season this is going to be? That it, it, just a lot of tight games. It's, you know, I mean, is this a sign of parody, or is this because kind of a what a week one gift for all the fans? Tough call. You know, I mean, I think week one's always an odd one, and I think more than any week of the year, people overreact. You know, a lot of these players, this is the first time they've played 60 minutes. You know, they're not in tip-top shape. They're playing with new people for the first time. But, you know, I, I do think there is some parity. You know, I mean, I, I do power ranks, um, you know, for a couple different outlets, and it's hard to find terrible teams, although the Rams and Browns look pretty darn bad. You know, so... I don't know if there's going to be a lot of blowouts, and there really wasn't in week one either. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, so it might be just a sign of, of parity, huh? I think, and I think that's what the league wants. You know, then you, you see teams like, you know, your Raiders and the Jaguars that are down. It's hard to stay really far down for long if you have all that money to spend and you can bring in, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to become the next Patriots or Packers or anything, but. You know, there's a lot of resources to get you back to being middle of the pack uh, if you do it right. Right, right. Was there any big surprise, uh, a positive surprise from this uh, from this week? Hmm. I, I mean, I think if you would tell, uh, told, you know, if you would have asked me before the season start or before the the week started. Who's the one team that's going to get blown out? I probably would have said the Dolphins, you know, going to Mm -hmm. Seattle. That looked ugly, and they really hung in there well. Um, I I think Jacksonville hanging to the very end with Green Bay was promising. I mean, I'm not a big believer in moral victories. These both were losses. But I I didn't expect either one to go as well as they did for the losing team. Right. I mean – Jacksonville looks like a team that's going to compete pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, they do, except I'm pretty excited about Houston, too. I mean, I'm worried about their offensive line, but um, I think they're pretty clearly, you know, in the best position to win the South. Uh, The one knock on Jacksonville, and a lot of people talked about this this in the offseason, was their lack of pass rush. And, you know, Green Bay's got a really good offensive line. Rodgers isn't the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Um, but still, that's a bit of a concern. They might be a year away from a pass rushing standpoint. Yeah. What about teams that surprised you the other way? Like you didn't, you know, the, the bad way, the, the, a disappointment. Washington, for sure. You know, I, I thought they would be a little more competitive against the Steelers. They got whipped pretty good. Um, and, and the more I think about the NFC East, I really feel like it's a two-horse race where, you know, even a week or two ago I felt like I could make a make an argument for any of the teams in, the, in that division to, to have a really good year. And I know it's only week one. I don't mean to overreact. But I think the Giants and Cowboys are above everybody else. And that Giants victory in Dallas I, I think could really loom large for how that division shakes out. You, know, you win that road game right off the bat, I think that's big. 
Um, I know that's not a, it's probably the least flashy game, but San Francisco was certainly a pleasant surprise. Their defense isn't bad. You know, there's players on that defense, and their offensive line's much improved. And, and I can't say anything good about the Rams. I mean, I, I thought the Rams were. I mean, I, I had them pretty low. Don't get me wrong on my power ranks and things going into the season, but you would think they'd be more competitive than that. I mean, they had 13 drives. Ten of them were four and out or three and out. Two were an interception, and one was giving it up on fourth down. I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, what do they do there? I mean, do the Rams? Um, I mean, Goff obviously. Okay, let's see what he can do. But if he's not even number two yet. That's clear that he's nowhere close to being ready. What do you do to do you do you push him or do you just? I mean, it seems like they have a a, a big hole there. In it's a bad situation. I mean, part of me feels like they're going to use up the great years of Gurley too. You know, beating him into the ground these first couple of years of his career. That's a terrible situation, and. I gotta. You probably know this better than I do, but of all the coaches in the league, I gotta think Jeff Fisher's on the hot seat more than anybody. I mean, uh, how can you be happy with what's going on there, especially after watching last night? So, if you're Fisher, are you more concerned with self-preservation, or do you do what's best for the team and give Goff a lot of reps throughout practice time to eventually get him to the point where he is ready? Because by all accounts, and what we saw in the preseason. He couldn't be any further away, you know. So I don't think right. you can put him on the field now. But clearly, the best thing for the organization is to spend as much time as possible to get him better, not to make Case Keenum a D plus to a C minus player, so that you don't, you know, so you want to win one more game and win three games instead of or four games instead of three. So it's messy. It's real messy because the defense I don't think is as good as last year either, especially in the back seven. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of blowout. Well, yeah, I don't know what's the answer there. I, I, I think that, you know, he's probably the first to go. I think Snead goes. Um, and, and, you know, at least Fisher could go in the next few weeks because the last thing the Rams want after moving to Glitzy, you know, prove it to me now, Los Angeles, is a you know an 0 4 start, 0 5 start, and the rookie quarterback who everybody you know building the, the, the hopes of the franchise around is even playing. So that I think that just went to the number one biggest issue team in the league, at least after week one. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I'm just thinking about the next step, and it just kind of dawned on me now is so let's say Fisher's gone in a month, or you know even last season is gone, whatever. And then you hire the next coach, and he's not a golf fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or right. he wants to do something totally different from the quarterback position than what they originally saw in golf. So not only did they you know, invest heavily in him, but they gave up tons of future picks. You can't write the problem if golf either isn't the answer or doesn't fit what the new guy's going to do. So it's a disaster. Well, I mean, that's on the owner because, I mean, you know, Snead yeah. and Fisher didn't care about the next guy when they made that trade. So the owner gave them the clearance to do it. And, you know, so so they must have really sold him on golf. But, yeah, it's a terrible situation because if he's a bust, it doesn't just end there. You know, when Jamarcus Russell was a bust, when, when Brian Leaf was a bust, it just ended there. But these guys made a trade, and, and they made – and, and they think their rest of the roster is pretty good. 
So this just kills the franchise for five, six years, this type of if a quarterback, if Goff is indeed a bust in this, in this circumstance. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, we're one game into the guy's rookie season. I mean, we can't call him Jamarcus Russell yet, but nothing Certainly. promising has come out of the Goff situation so far. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an unpromising situation. Now let's go to the guy who picked right behind him, uh, Wentz. Pretty, uh, pretty impressive, right? Absolutely. And let's preface this. I mean, I think there's three defenses in the league right now: Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Cleveland, that are really, really bad. <laughs> you know, that are going to let up tons and tons of points this year. And New Orleans and Indianapolis, their offense might be able to overcome that and keep their teams competitive. I don't think Cleveland's can. So Wentz beat up a bottom feeder. But, hey, that's his first start ever. He only played. Oh, okay. That's fine, right? Right, right. I mean, that's what you want. And I love his poise. I love the way he throws the ball. He's very physically impressive. Um, I I think he's very, very impressive. Uh, I, I don't have enough good things to say about him. Of course, I don't want to... Uh, overreact to one game against a bad defense, but that's exactly what you want to see. And right. uh, again, I mean, I think he'll have his ups and downs, like Mariota and Winston did last year, and doesn't have a ton around him. But that's what you want to see. I mean, he's exactly what as advertised. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's when you look at these quarterbacks. It's it's the big picture stuff, right? It's it's the arm, it's the reads, it's it's the poise, and it's that's what. He, He's getting pluses for, and it's those big picture stuff that Goff is getting negative for. You know, right? So and, and it, it seems like it seems like pretty early on that we're we're getting kind of a feel where these both may be going. Just at, again in the big picture, I, I read a quote from somebody a couple weeks ago that said that a coach will know if he has a bust at quarterback, he'll know within the end of camp. There's definitely a lot of people that think that. You know, and Bill Parcells says, you know, if you don't bite as a puppy, you're never going to bite. You know, like all those type of things, too. I I think in some ways you look at him right away and say, I don't think he's got it. Or, boy, we think we got something here. And clearly these two guys are trending the opposite ways. Um, One thing, though, about both is I think the common fan is like, well, isn't Goff much more NFL-ready than Wentz? Wentz went to North Dakota State, and Goff is in the Pac-10, you know. And that's not true. I mean, Goff ran a very college-style spread attack where Wentz did everything at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, far more advanced with the X's and O's and reading the defenses and doing pro-style things. So, you know, again, this is kind of what we thought going in. But, one, everything's positive, despite not playing at all in the preseason and breaking his ribs. And one has had, you know, looks terrible. Right. Really interesting. I, I was at the um, New England-Arizona game, and I think that was Bill Belichick's crowning regular season moment. I mean, he, he, we all know what he was missing. We, on paper, the Cardinals were a much better team on that field. They had a lot more to play for than the than the Patriots. And look, at everybody on Sunday lost in the Patriots division. The Cardinals needed to keep pace with Seattle, and that's something they're going to have to do all year long. And Patriots went out and beat him. I mean, the guy's just a master, isn't he? It's amazing. It really is. I think you're right. I mean, certainly the most impressive regular season victory I can remember from Belichick. You know, I read something recently 
in the last 14 years, Belichick is 13 and one on opening day. You know, <laughs> you know, what do you think his mind is doing all summer long? Figuring out right. ways to beat Week One's opponent, and he always comes up with a way. But you mentioned him being shorthanded. He didn't have Brady. He didn't have Gronk. Both his starting tackles were out. He had two rookies starting at guard. Dion Lewis, his best running back, was out. Rob Ninkovich was uh, suspended, and he didn't have a first-round pick. <laughs> you know, it's it, it like, what else are you going to take away from this guy? And he still goes out and beats one of the best teams in the league on the road in a game that I said going into that game, I don't care who the, the, the Cardinals are playing, I would pick Arizona in this game. You know, if, if New England had Brady, I would have picked the Cardinals in that game. If Seattle was going there, I would have taken Arizona in that game. That's a brutal game to play in. And now you look at a big picture and think, okay, there's this four-game stretch where Brady's out, and I'm sure you thought of it like I did, like, oh, they'll probably be 2-2, two and two. maybe they'll be 3-1. and one. But they're going to lose week one in Arizona. The other games are pretty winnable. Now they might be 4-0. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody around the league asked me today, what's going on with the Cardinals? I said, you know what? I didn't look at that as what's wrong with the Cardinals. I think it was, that story that day was Belichick beat them. And I, I, I don't think the Cardinals is much to worry about. Do you? I mean, do you, do you see some negative there? I mostly want to praise Belichick for that. You know, I mean, he's so notorious for I'm going to take away what you do best. And he took away the deep ball, you know, and Palmer wanted to throw it deep, wanted to throw it deep. And Arians keeps throwing and, you know, calling those type of plays and wouldn't, and it's the wrong call. You know, he outcoached Arians for sure. There's a couple concerns I have with Arizona, and I still think they're an elite team, is I don't love their offensive line and they gave up a lot of pressure. Chris Long in particular was, you know, really good. Um, the right tackle, Humphreys, worries me a little bit. The center position worries me a little bit. But we're nitpicking. I mean, it's a really good roster. But the thing that could sort of derail their season is the corner. You know, as good of a GM as Kime is, it shocks me that he decided, I'm going to trust a second-round pick to be my starting corner opposite the best corner in the league, Patrick Peterson, and he's going to get a ton of targets there. And this kid's a talented guy. But he was a running back like two or three years ago. So, I mean, like in the terms of, of NFL draft prospects, he's very raw. He's a developmental guy. He's not, quote, NFL ready. And he's getting thrown in the mix. I said it on another outlet. I was saying he's going to lead the league in passes thrown at him this year. Wow. Interesting. So, I mean, so, I mean you still, again, after week one, you still see this as a, a, a Super Bowl contender, correct? I do, I do. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, it's. It, it, I think they'll be fine. I, I really do. I really do. Um, one other time. What concern, about? Though, one other time concern is maybe Palmer falls off ten percent. I mean, he's an older guy. Yeah. If, if I mean, last year he was an MVP candidate before he got injured. Um, what if he falls off ten or fifteen percent, and then? Maybe they're not. A, maybe they're a playoff team, not a Super Bowl team. Right. Um, the whole. I know we talked about Washington a little bit earlier in the show. Um, what about Josh Norman? A lot of people talk about. You know that they should. They used him weird yesterday. They didn't put him on Antonio Bryant, and, and that was kind of the story of the game. What, what what jumped out about that to you? Yeah, I actually just got off the radio in Washington D.C. like ten minutes ago. Believe it or not. 
and that was obviously the huge topic of conversation. And I sort of defended the Redskins for that because all through Norman's career in Carolina, he, he's basically been a left corner. I mean, much like Richard Sherman, much like Namdi Asamoah, who you remember. I mean, and it's easier said than done to say we're going to give him the Revis treatment and he's going to follow Brown all over the field because those other ten guys have to adjust to that. You know, if he's going in motion with Brown across the formation or he lines up here, then the other ten really need to be heady and know what their assignments are because Darrell or Peterson or Deion Sanders is doing this. So that's fine. Okay, it doesn't make me crazy from a Redskins perspective that we're going to leave Josh Norman on the left side. He's going to eliminate that third of the field. And in that respect, he pretty much did his job. But what made me crazy, and I haven't watched the coach's tape yet, is why wouldn't you give Breland immense amount of help then? You know, I mean, I want to see, a, I want to see basically treating Antonio Brown like a punt gunner. I mean, I want to see two guys all over him. And I didn't see a lot of that, on, you know, at least watching on TV. Um, so to me, that was really the error. Hmm, interesting. So what what's the future there? I mean, you you think they they do get more aggressive with him down the road? I don't know. I mean, they didn't use a corner. They didn't do it last year. Their scheme doesn't really dictate it that way. He didn't travel with the Panthers. They didn't show us anything in the preseason to say that he's going to be a traveling corner. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be useful. I mean, if he takes away that third of the field 90% of the season, well, he's doing his job, you know, but the other guys need to step up. Right, right, definitely. And there's um, no real right answer against Antonio Brown right now either. What's that? There's no real right answer right now for right. Antonio Brown either, as well gotcha. as him and Roethlisberger playing together. Gotcha. What was your thoughts on the AFC West? I know we we um, talked about them as a, a real interesting pow, potential power division. Three teams are three or one and zero. Oh. The Chargers, a team that you liked a lot, and I and you know I, I always follow. Looked great for three quarters, blew it in the second half. Of course, they're zero one one. They lost Keenan Allen. This division is not any less interesting than we thought it was going to be, is it? It isn't, but you know where where I was really high on the Chargers and thought they could get back to being an eight or nine win team. I think the Allen injury is a deal breaker for me. I mean, I'm off the train yeah. that they just don't have enough to keep up without him. Besides Philip Rivers, I think that's the last guy they can afford to lose, um, and that's to me was a huge reason why they you know just got couldn't keep up with the Chiefs in the second half. I mean, their best guy is gone. Um, I didn't right. think the Chiefs were super impressive. I didn't think the Raiders were super impressive. They both won, and I thought the Denver played really well in a big game. So I think those three teams still, my, my opinion generally has not changed of them. I think it's going to be a really impressive division. But I, I put a, a big arrow down on the Chargers from the last time we talked. So do you worry about the Chiefs and Raiders because they were in dogfights? I mean, not really. I mean, I picked yeah. the Saints to win that game. I mean, going to New Orleans is not an easy matchup for anybody. I think that offense is great. I think their defense is terrible. Um, the Raiders' defense got exposed a little bit, but I do think the Saints will do that to everybody. So, no, and I think the more those guys play together, all those moving pieces play together in Oakland, the better they'll get. Gutsy call, huh? Well, that was something, right? The two-pointer? 
Yeah, and, and I, I have to be honest, it, it surprises me that more people don't do it. You know, if you think about it, you get to that point, it's probably better than a 50% chance that you're going to score. You know, you, if you practice them all week, you, you should be good at these things. It's against a bad defense, as opposed to hoping you get the coin flip, which is exactly 50%, and hoping they don't walk down and score on you. I mean, I know everybody, you're closer to that situation by far than me, and I know everybody's praising Del Rio right now and that, man, that's a great move to show confidence in your team. I looked at it like he was scared to death of Drew Brees. <laughs> you know, that he didn't think his defense could stop Brees, and I think that's true. Well, they almost did. They almost made a 51-yard field goal after right. the, right, the right. Uh, two-pointer. I, I think a lot of coaches may look at it as, Instead of let's go win it here, I think they say to themselves, I don't want to lose it on one play. So, you know, and, and Del yeah. Rio was like, let's, let's win it here. Our offense is moving like crazy. They're moving like crazy on us. We're on the road. This place is nuts. It's going to be even more nuts in overtime. All I need is three yards to win it right here. Let's do it. And I, so I think it was kind of a, a pretty easy Easy decision for us. Yeah, and that's what me saying again that I don't. It shocks me that more coaches don't do it. And I know it's easy for me sitting here in my lazy boy chatting with you. And my job's not on the line. But generally speaking, I mean, don't you think NFL coaches could stand to be more aggressive? I mean, fourth downs and these kind of situations. I mean, all in all, you would think they would be a big burly manly group. I'm going to trade. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb, and but really, they're very very conservative. Oh yeah, because they they don't want to they don't want to lose, and you know all all the media types are saying I loved what Jack Del Rio did. I loved it. Would they be saying that if it didn't, be if it didn't work? You know, so and I you know I, I think they uh, I don't if Jack I don't know if Jack Del Rio does it again in in, in eight weeks in in that situation. You know, I think it's just at the moment. Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah, you know, so. We'll see. So, uh, do you like what Kubiak did with Simeon in that game? Uh, how so? You mean? Just the way he managed him. I, I thought two things stood out. One is that the playbook was not shortened or limited. I think they let him throw. Yeah. You know, they're not like crazy, but they they had they were not afraid to use him. And I thought that the game was not too big for Simeon. I think those were the two things that really stood out. He wasn't awesome, but he sure didn't look like some, you know, number th- number three quarterback was playing because they had no other option. Right. He I looked like he was a, running yeah, that off. That's a good way of looking at it. I mean, he's a smart dude from Northwestern who looked like a smart guy that doesn't get rattled easily. Um, I don't think it's going to be his job all that long. You know, I think that was a great win. He didn't hurt the team. And, and really, you know, kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago, that's why he got the job. You know, I mean, they're close to that situation. Sanchez in that situation may have thrown three picks and had a butt fumble. You know, I mean, I think they trust Simeon not to screw it up. And and I think he was exactly that. He did not screw anything up. He, he, he okay, he made so a couple interceptions. Anderson was tremendous. He did not look like a guy who did not belong. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and. Where we were saying the same thing about Wentz and not saying the same thing about Goff. You know, I mean, some of these guys immediately look like they belong, and that's certainly a feather in their cap right off the bat when you're analyzing new quarterbacks. Right. But now, 
looking at golf, excuse me, looking at Wentz and looking at Simeon, they look like two different prospects, though, right? One looks like a game manager placeholder, and the other looks like he could be a really good quarterback, dynamic quarterback for a long time. I mean, that yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, Wentz to me could be – I mean, if Wentz hits, he's going to be Roethlisberger or Luck. If Simeon hits, he's going to be Alex Smith Light. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> so, but hey, they'll take it at, at this point. Right, you know they got Lynch in the background to turn into their Big Banner luck. Right, right. How about did you see the Aaron Rodgers throw touchdown throw to Devontae Adams? It's about the it's the most jaw dropping thing of the weekend for sure. Yeah, that and one. Nobody else does. Unbelievable. I mean, stunning, right? It's unbelievable, yeah. I mean, I've said I'm the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan you're going to find. And the one thing I always say whenever I'm comparing him to the best quarterbacks that's ever played the game is give me every quarterback who ever lives best 50 plays or whatever. And Rodgers will be right there with anyone who's ever played the game on that highlight tape. But his worst 50 or 100 plays – are really hard to find. You know, the guy never turns the ball over. I mean, of course that's not exactly how you value quarterbacks. You know, your highlight tape versus mine, my low light tape versus yours. But his highs are so high, and his lows aren't low at all. So consistent. So, I mean, I I don't know if this is the time to talk about all-time great quarterbacks, but is he's up there? I hesitate to say this and i've said it before though if we were having an all-time draft and he threw everyone in the mix and i had the first pick overall i might take aaron Rodgers. is that right yeah i really think he's that good easily could have won two more super bowls has five eight more years of jaw-dropping play ahead of him i actually don't think mccarthy's system's done him a ton of a ton of good and what's crazy, that's the year I was in the Browns' war room. He was not this player coming out of Cal, especially as a passer. Where do you guys do you remember what you guys had him? Um, we picked third that year, and strangely enough, we thought our quarterback situation was in good hands with Jeff Garcia and Luke McCown, who they drafted in the third round the year before. And Braylon Edwards was our absolute favorite player in the draft. We got him at three. If you remember, Alex Smith went one. And to our credit, we did have Aaron Rodgers ranked ahead of him. Okay. But we got our you know, one guy. So that's really wasn't the subject. I was talking to a team today that said that they had Goff ranked fourth of the quarterbacks this year. Wow. And they said they were giddy when they saw – the Rams, because they're like, hey, you know what? We well, let, let, them make, let, let the other teams make huge mistakes. And they're like, they traded that much for that guy. So, again, easy to say now, and he's, and he certainly has plenty of time to change his mind, but it's certainly interesting that how different teams can view players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And one pick goes different, and the whole butterfly effect and you know chain of events is totally, totally different. Yeah, now it's that it's kind of the fun. That's the great thing about the draft is it's, is it's, you just don't ever know. 
Um, speaking of former first-round picks and talked about quarterback earlier today in Josh Norman, Daryl Rivas had a, a rough go. Are you worried about him? I mean, is he, is he falling off the cliff or is this just kind of a bad day? I think Green's an utter superstar who really put on a show yesterday and is going to do that all season long. Um, doesn't get enough credit to be right there with Antonio Brown and Beckham and Julio as the best in the game. Um, I do think that long touchdown, Revis was absolutely expecting help and didn't get it. I think that was a bust on the safety. Um, however, to answer your question, yes. I mean, I bet that's Darrell's worst game of the season. Um, but I don't think he's in that top five you know, or you know, elite corner status anymore. And you know, just to show my age, you know, I, I helped recruit him to Pitt way back when. <laughs> I mean, I remember he was coming out of Aliquippa High School, and Sean Gilbert, the defensive tackle, is his mother's brother, who was a Pitt right. legend too. You know, and Darrell was coming out as a 16-year-old kid, the best basketball player in the city as well. And, you know, we got in the pit, and that was, you know, I've done a lot of, I've had a lot of seasons under my belt since then. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, last subject I want to talk, on, talk about um, is RG3. You know, he's dealing with another injury um, out about eight weeks at least. Is he done as a starting quarterback? I mean, as a starting quality quarterback, is he just going to be too injured? And is there too much stuff going on? Yeah, and I probably would have said that two days ago too. You know, before he yeah. got hurt, that you know his tape at the at the end of his career, Washington was really, really awful. You know, I mean, not seeing open guys, not reading the defense, not knowing his own offense, and even you know, I, I thought Hugh Jackson was the perfect guy to take this reclamation project on, and with all the Browns picks they have in the future. You know, they can get their guy if he doesn't hit, and they have Kessler waiting in the wings. It looks like a long-term type backup as a fallback plan. Um, but, you know, just watching the preseason, it felt like if he wasn't throwing deep, which he's a very good deep passer, and people don't remember that. You know, when he came out of school, he was an elite deep passer, and he's shown that. But when he wasn't throwing deep to Pryor and those guys and Gordon, he really wasn't moving the football very well. You know, he, he does some highlight-type things. Uh, he still runs too much. He doesn't protect his body. He doesn't have the body to sustain hits. So, you know, I think the talk now all of a sudden in Cleveland is we could have had Wentz. <laughs> yeah. They've been weird about that, though. I mean, Sashi Brown says we don't think he's going to be a top-20 quarterback. Said that last week. I have no idea why he would say that. Just yeah, answer the question. Say, hey, this is the direction we wanted to go in. We wanted to get some picks. We have a ton of picks coming up. I don't know why you would rip that guy before he even played. And then yesterday, Hugh Jackson's going, well, hey, it's only one game of wins. Let's look at the big picture. Let's look, let's look down the road. Why? I don't know why they're getting part of they're like becoming his, you know, they're rooting against him publicly. And that's just not going to – they're not going to win that. I know we're not talking about RG3 here, but I just thought it was a really weird tactic to take. Teams never publicly root for players to fail, and they're just they're kind of saying, we don't think he's going to be good, even after he beat them. And I just don't know how that how Cleveland gets anything positive out of that. Yeah, I think it's highly unprofessional. 
Not to mention, who cares if he's good or not? He's not on your team. You know, right. deal with the guys in your room. So, yeah, I 100% agree. Clearly they didn't like him enough to take him at two. Maybe they would have taken Goff if Wentz went one. We don't know that. Clearly we know what they want to do, though, and that is accumulate 9,000 million picks over the next couple of years, and if half of them hit, they're going to have a good football team. You know, so – and you know maybe they're a believer of we don't no matter who it was we didn't want to shove him in there um, like Carr in Houston and let his brains get beat in you know so we want to wait on quarterback all those theories right. are wonderful but back to your point keep your mouth shut about the young guy in Philadelphia I mean root him you know t- tell him you know say we're rooting for him we hope he does his, you know he becomes a great player yeah it's just it, I just don't see how because you know people are going to forever compare the Browns to him now, and they, and that's what they set themselves up. That Hugh Jackson quote and that Tashi Brown quote are going to be used against them all the time. And it's just, I just don't see where they, I don't, I don't see they, where they gain anything from that. And I know as a media member, we always say, hey, we want these guys to be open with us, and we, you know, and so let's not get on them when they're honest. But that was just weird, and it's just gonna, it's just not gonna serve them very well. No, I mean, especially as he looks better and better. And I just don't understand why you root against anybody, you know, that you're not playing against on the field at the time. I mean, game's hard enough as it is. Wish him the best. Right. No kidding. Well, Matt, did we miss anything? you want to add anything? No. I mean, I, I think we covered quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I know. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more to talk about. We could break down every game, but no, I thought we did quite a, went over quite a bit here. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening to the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We will be back with you next week to break down week two and look ahead to week three. Take care, everybody. <laughs>